Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So what's it going to take for the Rays to win a World Series? I mean, that's the goal, right? It's not necessarily 90 win seasons or certainly got to get to the playoffs to do it. And that's the question that, Steve, they're going to wrestle with from here until next offseason and maybe the next offseason after that. Kevin Cash and Eric Neander had sort of their end-of-season press conference. And, you know, it's, it's a, there was an acknowledgement that clearly they need more offense. Uh, that was pretty evident, I think, really the last few postseasons, but especially this one. And despite all the injuries, I think they did the best they could in, in some regards, but they didn't get the big hits. They didn't get any hits really from guys like Randy Arozarena and, and others, but you're not going to go out and spend a ton of money on bats. We know that pitching is still sort of the lifeblood of this franchise. So you know what? They're, they're caught in this universe of really good works during the regular season, but in the postseason, baseball, the, the history has shown this and John Romano wrote about it. The big market teams are the ones that win World Series. Yeah, it's the big market teams do because they have more offense. And look, when you get to the postseason, every team's got pitching. Mm-hmm. That's why they're there. That's right. I mean, the Indians had it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that Neander and Kevin Cash talked a lot about the injuries this year. And they did. They had the third most games lost to injury this year in, in baseball, and only them and the Dodgers were in the top ten in that category made the playoffs. And it's a kudos to them. But I also know they talked a lot about, you know, missing, you know, in the past they've had to deal with pitching injuries, and they've figured out how to get through that. This year there were so many position player injuries. But by the time you got to the playoffs, you were pretty healthy. And, and, and what I'm saying is, is you had a couple of position players out, like Kevin Kiermeyer. But you replaced him with Jose Siri, who's a similar type offensive player. You know, it wasn't like you had to go bring up some kid who isn't ready yet. Zanino went down. You got Christian Bethencourt, who probably maybe is better offensively than Zanino. So the only bat you were missing in this playoffs was Brendan Lau. You weren't, you know, from what you thought you had going into the season. Now, I'm also not going to sit there and say that you know, two games means you were awful in the postseason. I mean, you know, anybody goes through two games and doesn't hit. Now, the whole team happened to do it. But then again, the Indians did the same thing. I yeah, mean, they didn't get many yeah. hits in the series either. They just happened to get one extra home run, and right. one of those home runs they had a guy on base. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's not like the Indians went and hit their way in that series either. I mean, it was a phenomenally right. pitched series. But... Uh, you know, I don't think you can take a ton away from the series because of that, but you've seen now for three postseasons, with the exception of Randy Rosarina, consistently, you don't have enough offense in the postseason, which is when it counts. And, and when you're playing the best pitchers, because that's why they're in the postseason. Yeah, and 
you know, I, I mean, I think, I think they did, first of all, a remarkable job of making the playoffs with the injuries they had. Mm-hmm. Okay. You lose Br- Brandon Lau. You lose uh, Mike Zanino. You lost guys that have postseason experience. Now, look, let's not kid ourselves. Brandon Lau has not done anything in the postseason. He's hit during the regular season. But you didn't have a ton of experienced players other than some of the guys that were coming back. I mean, you know, obviously Wander Franco was a rookie a year ago. He was in the postseason. He did okay. Randy has has lit it up in the past, didn't do anything this year. But they talked about, you know, adding bats. And and the problem is you you can get some guys that have been there before, which I think helps. You know, I and, and your some of your young players now have had a couple of years of, of postseason experience, but I still think it helps if you if you can add veteran bats to a lineup that are that are still viable, you know, guys that can still hit. Um but the formula can't really change just because of the economics of things. Um you know, and Romano John Romano wrote a column and he points out that over the last fifteen seasons 64% of the playoff teams were in the top half of the league payroll. Mm-hmm. And so that means that 36% of those teams in the postseason were among the bottom half of the spenders. And it, you don't have to – it's not a stretch to see which side the Rays were on. You know, they made the playoffs eight times during those 15 seasons, which, you know, puts them right there in terms of how many playoffs and stuff they made with the Dodgers, the Yankees and the Cardinals and the Braves, but they haven't won a world series while those other teams, you know, continue to, to uh, kind of trade it off. So I, I just, I, they're kind of in a rock between a rock and a hard place. Now there, I think there's some fair criticism and second guessing that can be done. And I'm sure Kevin cash probably doesn't appreciate it or Neander necessarily. But I thought that at some point towards the end of the year, um, they were sort of looking at seeding, if you will, and and saying, well, if we can't have the first wild card in, in home games, then you know let's look ahead and see who we would play and then who we would play next. Did you want to go to Houston, uh, which is already slotted, or did you want to go to play the Yankees? I think they chose the Yankees. I, I can appreciate them saying we want our guys as healthy as possible, we want our pitching staff as rested as possible. But the fact is they kind of they kind of tanked for Tito. You know, that that was what they did. They they found a, a team built very much like themselves that can't hit either uh and pitches very well and they said we'll take our chances with those guys because if we win that series, we're not afraid of going to New York, we're not afraid to play the Yankees. We think we can beat them. And that sounds like a sound strategy, and maybe it's a flaw in the Major League Baseball's playoff system right now that you slot those teams, um, you know, after the wild card. But I'm not sure that sitting as many guys as they did for as long as they did, especially, you know, I mean, again, the pitching was fine; they all worked it out. But it just didn't seem like anybody was swinging the bats at the end of the year. And sometimes, you know, it's like, well, you flip a switch; it's the postseason. And guys get hot, and you know there's a little more at stake, and the bats get the Rays at bats got worse, and they and they ran into a team that can really pitch in Cleveland, uh, that again built very similar to them. So, you know, there's a strategy component to this season where you applaud them for hanging in there with all the injuries and making it, and winning whatever it was, eighty six, eighty seven games. 
But then you can also say, well, I think the, the rest might have caused some rust and you didn't really get it going, didn't get anybody going at the plate before you got to Cleveland. So there's, like, that's what the offseason is for, right? It's to, it's to look at everything and say, what, what can we do to, one, get back in this position again, but when we get there, increase our chances of winning it all? You realize they didn't win a game after they poured champagne over their heads. I know. I know. That's the thing. Like you celebrated and that was it. I mean, I, I still think that I still think momentum matters. I don't know. Like the sport of baseball is a weird one, right? Where you know, they always say mo you know, momentum's as good as your next day starting pitcher or the one that you're facing. But I don't know. Like if I if I'm not playing every day and I go for four and then maybe I go for four again and it's like, oh, it's the playoffs. Now it matters. I don't think you have great feelings going back to the dugout, you know, for three or four games um, and, and walking off, you know, going into a losing clubhouse, you know, five times in a row, whatever it was to end the season. Like that's to me that not that those other games would have changed their position necessarily or that they mattered all that much, but it's still, it's still a confidence sport. It's, you know, it's a failure sport, so you're going to fail, but you, you, I don't know. I don't know. I've seen football teams do it and I've seen it hurt them. You know, now again, mm-hmm. football is one game. Um, and, and I've seen Tony Dungy rest his guys. And then when they try to crank it back up again, it just wasn't there. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm one that says in football, at least that, you know what, you just play your guys. Now, if somebody's mm-hmm. nicked up, if somebody's hurt, in the least little bit, you don't put them out there. You go, okay, we're going to, we're going to let this person get to be as close to a hundred percent as they can, but everybody else just needs to stay in a rhythm and baseball players in particular are creatures of habit. We all know that. And I, I don't know that they help themselves by shutting it down the way they do. I haven't seen that in baseball very much. Well, I guess the question is, did they shut it down or did, I mean, they rest players all year long. They don't, you know, even well, their you best. To. You play, only got so many, right? Well, but but in, you know, in the past, you know, you'd have half your team playing 150 some games a year. Yeah. Most the Rays don't do that. No, I mean, even when everyone's healthy, that yeah, you still whole bench. you sit, yeah. you know, one out of every four games, or you know, you may come off the bench, but right. And and I don't I don't know if they were tanking for the Yankees. I, I think they were happy to face Cleveland in the first round because they thought their pitching would shut them down. They were tanking for Tito. <laughs> and they were right. I don't know if they were looking so much ahead to the Yankees. I think it was more about, would we, do we think we can shut down Cleveland's offense or, or Toronto's offense? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, look, Toronto's offense is a lot better than Cleveland's. A lot better than Tampa's. Their pitching well, they shut down good. Cleveland's offense for mm-hmm. sure. No, they did. I mean, you know, you could say, that, you can almost say they pitched better in the series than Cleveland did. But you gave up one more home run and had a guy on base when you gave up one of the home runs. Yeah. And as we do this podcast now, Cleveland's still not swinging the bats very well. No. And so, Yeah, they had, what, one run in, in New York tonight? They had another home run. I mean, that you know, again, they hit two home runs, one with a guy on. The Rays hit one. Rays lose the series two games to none. Had a walk-off in the finals game, game two. And then against the Yankees, they were the, the Cleveland Indians again. Very raised, like very few hits. A homer, a solo homer. It was one-one for a while, and then the Yankees pulled away. So, yeah, Cleveland is who we thought they were. They're the Rays. 
All right, so the Rays have to get better offense. Mm-hmm. We know they've got some free agents. Yep. Kevin Kiermeyer, who they're going to buy out at $2.5 million. Now, he could Correct. come back. Mike Zanino's a free agent. You know, do you bring those guys back? I don't know that I bring Kiermeyer back at that price. Um, I mean, who knows? I, I mean, he he was had a thirteen million dollar option. They're buying yeah. him out for two and a half. Now he couldn't sign for any amount he wants. He could three, sign four, for five, five, six million, yeah. whatever. You know, and, and and you know the question is, and, and Mark Topkin did write about this in the Tempe Times, and Zanino made seven million this year. Is are you willing to bring these guys back? Are they willing to come back knowing their role is going to be less than what it was previously? Because right. if Kiermaier comes back, he's not necessarily starting in center field every day. Is well, he willing Jose to Jose Suri, right? Yeah, it, and Mar- Manuel Margot. I mean, is is mm-hmm. Kiermaier willing to play some right and left field if need be? Yeah. Is Zanino willing to not necessarily be the main catcher, but maybe one of two? I mean, the Rays really like what they got in Christian Bethencourt. Yeah, and, they and, do. And Francisco Mejia made a lot of strides defensively this year. You know, so seven million for Zanino. I mean, if you're looking to sign a big bat potentially or go get one, you may not have the money from Kiermaier or Zanino. Right. And and you've got comparable replacements. I mean, Jose Siri's a similar type, phenomenal defense, doesn't hit a lick. Knock one out occasionally. When he uses his speed, he's great. The one thing I'll say, and, and this is, you know, these this is hard to quantify in terms of like dollars and things, but mm-hmm. if Kevin Kiermeyer is in the lineup and he's healthy, how much does he help the Rays in, in a postseason situation? In other words, you know, you got you got kind of a mix in that clubhouse, but you got a lot of young guys too. Mm-hmm. You know, the Wander Francos and the Rosarenas and guys like that. The one thing I think KK did well that he probably didn't get a lot of credit for was he was accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, every day if you had to talk to somebody about a good performance or a bad one, whether it involved him or just the team, Kiermaier was sort of, he became the face of that team because everybody else, you know, are long gone. So he's he's kind of the, you know, the old hat there. Um, and he was involved in enough big plays, both defensively and sometimes offensively, that you would go to him anyway. But they didn't have that once he was gone. And I think they missed a little bit of it. I don't know what that's worth. I know his defense mm-hmm. is worth something. But you're right, they got Jose Siri. And I you know, where they really where they really lacked though was uh they were bad against right handed pitching. Mm-hmm. You know. Well and, and the biggest disappointment this year was G Man Choi. Yeah, absolutely. And he's gone. And I'll tell you something else that was brought up by Mark Tompkin and I, I don't know that I'm a, a I'm going to disagree about it. What about trading Randy Arozarena? Oh, I think that's very possible. Because here's a guy that, you know, you got as part of a deal, and he caught lightning in a bottle in the postseason, was the rookie of the year. And this year, you know, stolen bases, home run, 20 home runs, uh, 20 or 30 stolen bases, whatever it was. You know, flamboyant player for sure. But I don't know that if you if you sold him now, you wouldn't be selling him at the highest peak of his career. In other words, I don't know what I, I don't know that I would put a lot of value into what a Rosarena's future is. I just don't know. But if I could get something back for him right now, 
he's one of the few assets i i mean wander is off the table right i'm mean, he's he's somebody i wouldn't ever consider at this point selling well and and, and wander's 21 years old yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know and, and he hasn't even played a full season yet right i mean you know he he came up about halfway through last season mm-hmm. this season he was hurt twice on the on the injured list Mm-hmm. So, you know, we haven't even seen a full season from him, but he's 21. Yeah, he's not going anywhere at this point. No, no. Now, the Rays control at Randy Rosarino through 2026. Some and of that's, that's arbitration. You, you don't lose. You don't necessarily. Yeah. Well, you hate to lose it, but his agent, Scott Boris. <laughs> yeah, true. As long as his agent continues to be Scott Boris, there's zero chance at Randy Rosarino signing a long-term deal here. And the Rays are in the business now of locking up young players long-term if they feel mm-hmm. they're good enough and the future is right for them. Sure. But with Boris's agent, they're not going to. So every season you wait to trade a Randy Rosarina, if you're going to, his value goes down. Yeah. Because yep. his value is he can sign. You know, you have control of him through 2026. Now, Less control, right. You know, what the Rays have to weigh is, are we better with Randy or without at this point? And, and without, you're better with him, of course, but depending what your haul back is. What can we get back? Yeah. You know, I mean, this year, it, maybe they looked at trading Randy this year, but you looked at the line going, where's the offense? Sure. You know, now, had you signed a Freddie Freeman, which, by the way, how would he have looked in the playoffs on this lineup? Oh, it would have been great. I mean, listen, but I, and, and I question this too. If you just look at the free agents that the Rays have signed in the past, mm-hmm. um, whoever they are, I mean, show me the guy who's at the top of his game that comes here and says, "Yeah, I want to play for them." You know, who is that? Who is that? You know, well, position player. Well, they they, ha- isn't they have coming off, but you know, but from what we you know from what we know, and you don't necessarily know every negotiation. This is the first time they've offered that kind of money to somebody a free true. agent. True. True. I mean, you know, they were in the ballpark with the Dodgers and Braves trying to sign Freddie Freeman. Exactly how close, I don't know if we know, but... Yeah. But, uh, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Freddie signed for whatever in L.A. and the Rays tried to sign him for half. No, but he chose... I I think there's a reason why you choose the Dodgers over the Rays. I think there's a reason why most or a lot of players would do that, you know? Um and it probably goes beyond just even if the salaries are comparable. Um, there's money you can make off the field. There's the difference between playing in front of 3 million fans and whatever the Rays draw these days. You know, there's there's just, a, I mean, you can talk about state income tax if you want to in California and all that. But um, as good of the Ray, as the Rays organization has been in terms of winning and getting the postseason and winning 90 games and all that stuff, they still don't have the brand equity that some of these other clubs do. So I think they're always, you know, it's admirable that they were in the ballpark in terms of salary. And, and mm-hmm. you're right. They haven't offered that to very many, if any, players before. And it's it's encouraging that they were willing to do it with Freeman. Um, but he still didn't choose them. And only one one team gets those guys, right? And there's only one team for each free agent. So to to, to hire a bat, you know, with it was it going to be somebody else out there that they mm-hmm. would, you know, throw twenty five million dollars a year at. I I don't know, I, and I don't know that that guy would come here. It's just it's a really tough thing to do. I think you're probably going to get more along the lines of aging players that you know still have mm-hmm. 
something left in them that can can also elevate your younger guys um you know that that might add to your lineup but but you know, it, you know here's the thing when you look at the Rays lineup and you know look at what are power positions third your, base your corner infielders yeah G-Man Choi mm-hmm. had 11 home runs and Yandy Diaz 9 yeah now the yeah. Rays love Yandy Diaz and he does a lot of things in the analytics and his contact. He might have been his, their MVP as far yeah, as position exactly. guys go. So if yeah. your third baseman's going to be a guy like that, that isn't going to hit a lot of home runs. Then you better have it in the first base. You better, yeah, you better have a stud at first. And, and that's yeah. where I think they were trying to get a Freddie Freeman. It didn't work. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that's a, first base is a position they have to upgrade. Well, power, I mean, look, the home runs was an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it just was. They didn't hit the ball out of the park, and it's hard these days to, to compete, you know, station to station. So they're going to need they're gonna need to get some power from somewhere. So, yeah, I'm with you. G-Man Choi moves on, so first base becomes a position that you would like to recruit some or sign somewhere, develop whatever, trade for uh, a mm-hmm. power bat, and preferably a left-handed bat. If you can get it, well, you got to figure yeah. out. You need a right-handed and a, a left-handed first baseman. The way the Rays do things, so no, that's true. Or a bat, at least. But, but they'll find somebody over there to play yeah, against. But, right, you know, I, at some point they've got to figure out. You know, when is Jonathan Aranda going to play full time? Because he can bat. He can hit. Yep. His defense is weak, or weaker. Well, do I, don't I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Weak's a little not fair. His defense isn't elite like some of the other defenders. Well, and he doesn't really have a position, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's not a plus outfielder. They played him some at first. He's not a plus in, middle infielder, and plus you've got well, he's not a plus middle, defender anywhere. I mean, right anywhere, right? He's, but you could you know you could probably exist with him, uh, moving him around, DH one day, this that and the other. But he's he's at least a, a guy I think that's going to hit in a consistent level in the major leagues once he's here. I mean, I think there's going to be more turnover on this roster than people think. I do, too. I mean, I think Randy Rosarine is on the table, but it depends on what you're willing to get back. And they're going to want to haul back. Sure. Because, you know, one, his postseason success. Yeah, he didn't do well in two games this year, but it's two games. But his postseason success and the fact he's under control for four more seasons. That's right. So, you know, if they're going to trade him, and, and, and like I said, it's only going to be if they get a big haul back. And I just don't know that they have much, much other um, from a position standpoint. Many other players, are, and again, wanders off the table that you have that you can command a lot back. I just don't know that those guys are there. The one thing we know they have, and it's a hell of a place to start, is that with Tyler Glass now, now presumably going to start spring training next year healthy, and those questions are eliminated. I think the biggest thing that happened. Well, two things happened right, to those two pitchers. Um, one, Glass now not only got to pitch, but he was dominant when he did. His velocity was up. So you don't go to spring training saying, yeah, I wonder what happens if. In other words, mm-hmm. he's back, right? Like you, you have no reason to doubt what the health of his arm is, uh, what, what, his, you know, what the work he's put in, and it'll just help him now resting until you get to February in the spring training. And you can go into it saying he's going to be Tyler Glass now. The same, I think, is true with Shane McClanahan. I think there was a lot of questions about him. And we saw, you know, after the shoulder impingement, the numbers just weren't the same, 
the velocity was down, uh, the strikeouts were down, the ERA was up. But you know what? When he got in the postseason and he pitched that game, he was dominant. He was good, and he said he felt good. So, you know, now you get an off season to, you know, it's the furthest he's ever pitched before, and he's never gone this this many innings. And now he's done it, uh, whatever it was, 160-something innings. And, you know, so you have McClanahan, a lefty that can throw close to 100. You have Glass now, a righty backing him up that can throw or either way, whoever's the ace or not, throw 100 miles an hour. And you got a lefty and a righty like that. Man, and, and then the Rasmussen and all these guys around them, they're going to be as strong as they've ever been on the mound. The, the one-two combination of any series you go into, man, two nights, those hitters are going to have a tough time. Well, and, and, and back that up with Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. As a three right. and a four. I mean, good as good of three and four that you're going to find, you know? And and they, they accomplished that this year. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they got those guys going, and they got them out of the bullpen. They made those trades, and they became consistent, sometimes dominant starters. So that staff, that starting staff, we know how good the bullpen was. Um, and I trust them to find these guys. I don't trust mm-hmm. them to keep them healthy, but I trust <laughs> them to find these guys with the, I mean, geez, with the spin rates and the, you know, the max velocities and all that. So pitching and defense is always going to be their, their DNA. It's just a matter of, you know, can you find enough bats to score enough runs and, you know, what are you willing to part with in order to get that? And I and I think I think Randy's on the block. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be that anxious to bring back Zanino, as good of a catcher as he was. I I think, you know, do I think he's going to hit twenty home runs again? He won't hit thirty, but I think he can come back and hit twenty. I uh, I like the fact that he's played. I like his experience. You know, I like a lot of things about him. But I mm-hmm. again, I just don't know if you got Mike Zanino behind the plate. You know, three out of four nights. If I think, well, you know, our offense got a lot better. I, you know, home run wise, which is what you do need. I mean, I'm not minimizing that they didn't hit enough home runs. Well, and here's going to be the other interesting part for next season is there's no more shifts. At That's least, true. At least in the infield, you got to have you have to be on That's the dirt true. when the pitch is pitched, right? And you have to have two on one side of second base, two on the other. Now, if you're a contact team, that should help you, right? Well, I think a couple things. One, if you're an athletic infield. That should help you, too. That should help you defensively. Absolutely. Um, and the Rays are. Guys like Taylor Walls and Wander Franco. Absolutely. Yandy Diaz, not as much, but that's a third baseman, not a, you know, up yeah. the middle. It'll be interesting what they do in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Are you going to see a right fielder playing right behind second base? In the shift, yeah, and go to two outfielders essentially, in order right. to accomplish shifts. I mean, it'll be interesting what teams do, what they come up. So with. So you adjust with your own sort of pseudo shifts, you know, I, that don't because I think the rule is going to be the infielders have to have their feet on the on the dirt, right? Yes, I believe that. Yeah, they have to when the pitch comes or when the pitch is delivered. Right. They have to have at least one foot on the dirt. I don't know if it's both. And two but. on each side of the second base. Correct, yes. Yeah. But I, there, I don't think there's anything in the outfielders. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you could move your left fielder to, you, you know, right where, the, fielder, the, you could, where the normal guy shifts behind fielder. second yeah. base. and I think that's what will happen. I think the Rays will be – I think that's what you do. You'll be moving guys to that shallow right field or shallow left field, depending on which batter is up, 
and and essentially play without a right fielder or without a left fielder and just have mm-hmm. left center, right center guys. I think spring training is going to be interesting. Yeah. With that. And, and for lots of teams, not just the Rays. But how does that affect free agents? How does that affect how you're compiling your roster? Right. You know, some of these hitters that batting averages are awful because of the shift. They'll be good. Are they going to become better hitters now, essentially, statistically? I would think so. I would think so. I mean, how many balls do they hit, right? I'm constantly amazed for both sides, and the Rays especially, is that, you know, some guy will hit a bullet up the middle through the box, and there's a second baseman or a shortstop position over second. Like, that is, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, in any league I've ever played in, you want to hit the ball back through the middle. If you hit it hard, it's a base hit. Not anymore. I mean, they... They've read those scouting reports, and those shifts are hit into so much that a contact team that, that is athletic and can run, you know, should be a new way to build a team, you know, that doesn't necessarily include bashing it all the time. So, you know, with their athleticism on defense, with, with you know, some of the contact players you have, um, it should help you, man. I just see a lot of hard-hit balls right at guys into the shift. So, that'll be interesting. Really will be, and and some of the pitching too with the pitch clock coming and stuff. Yeah, and some of these pitchers that pitch really slow. How are they going? Are they going to be any good? And it's going to affect, you know, signing guys and and who you bring back and use. I mean, you know, when you have those slow pitchers, it's that's not going to play anymore. Can they speed up their process? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns because baseball is constantly evolving now, and the Rays have to evolve and adapt or die. I mean. And I kind of, you know, I do subscribe to this. I mean, and this was, this goes to football too. This was the Tony Dungy theory. And, and, you know, Tony never won a Super Bowl, but he certainly built a defense that was capable of it. But he took over a franchise that also didn't spend a lot of money on free agency. And the fact of the matter was, is that they had a stadium issue when he first got here. They didn't know if they were going to be, you know, relocated or, or, you know, moved out of town. But his his theory was, I'm going to build a team that every season people are going to say, oh yeah, they're one of the favorites to win the division. They're gonna they're gonna make the playoffs. And he goes, if we go ten and six every year and make the playoffs, and we do that for ten years, one year we're going to break through and we're going to win a Super Bowl. And he never did, you know. But he was only here what six 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 years, I think. But the year after he left, John Gruden did. Now, they added some pieces, and you give Gruden credit. You know, still didn't score a ton of points, but they added some pieces on offense. He held the defense accountable as well, and they wind up winning a Super Bowl because things fell into place. But do you want a team, and this was Neander's comment, was sort of like, you know, do you want a team that's going to win 90 games every year and no guarantee that they're going to make it to a World Series, but at least if they're if they're in the tournament every season, they have a chance to break through and win one, or do you want one that goes for broke and maybe they win a World Series one year and then the other years they win 75 games? The problem is there's no guarantee on either end of that. You know, the World Series is not guaranteed. It just isn't. So it's kind of a, it's not really an either or question. But in general, the more times you're there knocking on the door, uh, if you get a favorable matchup, if you get a good bounce, if you have the right health, if you you know somebody gets hot, you're going to at least put yourself in a position to go all the way. I mean, they did; they were in the World Series and got you know one game five, and 
was leading game six when they took out Blake Snell. So it, it's not like they didn't make it with this formula. The question is, you know, you're kind of going the other way now. And, you know, are you going to be able to – is this sustainable? And if it if it is, when you get to the postseason, is it always going to end this way? Um, those are all questions they're wrestling with. But I do kind of subscribe to – look, I I think if you're a Rays fan or any fan, you want your team – to be relevant and the only way you're relevant is you're not 21 games out of five over you know below 500 in june if you're there if you live there in the in major league baseball you're you're done what do we always say once you get to the playoffs and every team's got a shot so what we say doesn't matter the sport i mean seattle went 20 something years without making it and they they upset a pretty good mets team Mm -hmm. the rays got to game six of the world series two years ago yeah Against the Dodgers, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, and they had a good shot to win game six. We all Absolutely. know what happened, but. Absolutely. You know, and then at that point, if you would have won game six, I'll take a game seven. Oh, heck yeah. Anything can happen. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And so, you know, that'll be their goal is to, is to you know, find a way to have a team that can, you know, compete and or win the division and make the playoffs and then. You know, you hope for the best. I mean, that's just it. It's pro sports. There's no guarantee on any of this. But it was interesting just to listen to Neander and and, uh, Kevin. I think there will be changes, by the way. I think they will um, really be open-minded. I think that's the one thing that came out of this is like, look, we're looking for solutions. Everything's on the table. Like, everything's negotiable at this point. We want to win a World Series, so everything is on the table. Yeah, they're, uh, you know... They, they're not afraid to make changes. Never no. have been. No, you know, I, I, and, I like and they that. make lots of changes every season. Hmm. You know, it'll be interesting what changes they decide to make and what opportunities present themselves. Some of those changes depend on, you know, if you're going to get rid of someone who's coming in, who's coming in, whether it's trade or sign or, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be it'll be interesting with the coaching staff too. And, and Kevin Cash talked about that. I mean, Matt Cotrero is going to get interviews again, most likely. Right. You know, I mean, that's one of the secrets of this team's success too. Is their pitching or their coaching staff has been relatively stayed the same. Yeah. I mean, they've lost a, and there's a couple managers. You know, Rocco and and um, Charlie Montoya. Who got fired? They, but yeah. yeah, I mean, they both left. But I mean, but for the most part, you know, Kyle Snyder's been there a while. Cotrero's been there a while. I mean, you know, they it's been a lot of longevity on that staff, which helps. The continuity is good, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Now, you want guys to get opportunities as managers, but I think overall, they've done well, and and people will continue to try to, you know, get talent from the Rays, whether it's in the front office as we've seen or or on the bench. I mean, they're going to do that. That's that's the not-so-well-kept secret in baseball is everybody everybody admires the Rays and wants what they have, you know, and, and keeps keeps taking some of their talent when they can. Um, I don't know. It, it Look, it was surprising that with all the injuries that they found a way to, to do it on the fly, to, to bring, bring in guys that were – capable of fitting in and then winning enough games to make it to the postseason. And we all know what happened when they played Cleveland, and that's unfortunate. It's not a surprise, but it's unfortunate. But, you know, overall, to do what they did, I think, you know, pretty remarkable in its own way. 
and they're just going to have to get better. They're just going to have to find ways to to get better and you know give these guys a chance. But I didn't think it was I didn't think it was a disappointing season. I thought it was a disappointing end to the season. Mm-hmm. And I still I still question like some of the moves and some of the the resting that they did of players and you know not winning games at the end. And I, I do think that they were sort of looking not looking ahead necessarily, but to, you know deciding whether they wanted to play Toronto who's going to score runs when they weren't, or Cleveland, and maybe also the Yankees or Houston. Um, and, and you know, that's all part of it, right? But we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. It was, a, it was a, you know, an entertaining year, one that kept your interest for sure. And, you know, this is uh, – it's just that every year now since the World Series, they've gotten one step further away. They're not going the right direction. You know, that it was – you know, after that, the divisional series, and then, and then now they're out and eliminated in the wild card, and, and so on and so forth. So, hasn't exactly gone the way they'd like it to, but we'll see. Well, before we talk about the Lightning's loss in the season opener against the Rangers, I wanted to remind you of a way to save money on your electric bill, which keeps going up and up. It's May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years in this area. Now, you know, there's a lot of fly-by-night companies, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all kinds of products, and they conduct on-site testing so you can see what they'll install, plus they don't use subcontractors. That's their own people. You know exactly who's doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve your quality of life and preserve your appliances as well. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. 
but I just thought that, you know, offensively they, they scored on a five on three power play. That was the only goal. They were outshot at one point. It was two to one. Um, it, it just, it wasn't their, their best game to start the season with. Wasn't as bad as last year's first game, which we were at at Amelie arena. And, and, you know, look, New York's really good. I mean, Sturkin is a tremendous goaltender. They have a really good team, mm-hmm. and they were at home, and so they win three to one, but not the best of of uh, first games for the Lightning. It wasn't. I mean, the special teams let them down some. Uh, I mean, they gave up one power play goal, but yep. New York generated a ton of chances off their power plays and mm-hmm. momentum. And you know, you and I were talking before the podcast. The penalty kill is going to be a work in progress mm-hmm. because the first guy over the boards for the last four or five years was Ryan McDonough. Yeah, that's right. How many block shots, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when the, when the penalty kill comes, if they weren't on the ice when the penalty happened, they were. it was him and Chernak on the ice. Yep. He's not there now. Yep. And they're going to have to figure that out, and it's going to be a work in progress. And Vasilevsky was, was, stopped a ton of shots in the power play. He was play. great. I mean, through two periods, I think the shot differential was something like 32 to 16. I think it got adjusted. But the the five-on-five shots were 13 to 12. Right. It was all the power play, and they had four shorthanded shots, including a shorthanded goal. They gave up a shorthanded goal, yeah. You know, but it's game one against a good team. It's the first time the Lightning have started on the road since 2013-14 season. That's crazy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, I sat there for the last two days, going. It doesn't feel like opening night because they're not here. Because they're they're always at home to open, usually against the Panthers. But that's right. The last couple of years, because of uh, with with banner raising, it wasn't. But usually, it's been the Panthers. But yeah, it was weird. It was like this doesn't feel like opening night. And maybe it did for the players too. Who knows? <laughs> well, and it, it was the first game I think in uh, in the United States at least. There might have mm-hmm. been one one other in Canada. Yeah, they played but... two games in uh, Europe. They played over in Europe. Oh, uh, that's the, what it was. The yeah, Sharks right. and the, the Predators over the weekend. That's right. Yep. That's correct. Nashville and, and San Jose. Yep. But um, big national audience, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the mecca, right? I mean, I mean, think about New York right now. The Giants are going well. The Jets are going well. The Yankees are in the playoffs. You've and then got, there's the Mets. Then yeah, the Mets <laughs> did what the Mets do, right? They just completely uh, wasn't good for them at all. But um, the Big Apple is uh, is really glistening right now. They they're they're loving their sports teams. So, you know, it, I was at the opener last year when they raised the banner and they absolutely just laid an egg. It was horrible. So they've been zero and one before, but they do want to get off to a good start. You know, you don't you can't lose the Stanley Cup necessarily in October, but uh, you don't want to fall far behind because then you're chasing it. But one game in, it just shows you that there's a lot of changes on this team. Mm-hmm. They've got a long way to go. Steven Stamkos had the only goal five on three. So that was not only just a power play goal, but also a five on three. Um, I just didn't think they had a lot of chances. They seemed a little bit out of sync, just a little off on some of their passes and and whatnot. And it was the Rangers' night, and you would expect that if they're at home on a, on a big opening night with a lot of emotion and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad hockey's back. I mean, it's nice to know that you know two, three, four times a week you're going to be able to sit down and and flip on. This is the best time of the year. You've got the NFL now in its second month. Um, the baseball's in the postseason. Not so good for the Rays, but baseball well into the postseason now. And then you have the start of the Stanley Cup and the NBA 
or, or not Stanley Cup, the NHL, and then the NBA is going to be starting here uh, as well. So mm-hmm. you got them all running at the same time. And one more thing on the Lightning. Did you see the Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Mass Mutual spot? It's it's listen. If you haven't, I don't know where you can find it on social media. Go find this. This is one of the the best commercials that I've seen. And and what's so great about it is that the chemistry between Hedman and Stamkos is next level. Like the looks, the side looks, the you know the timing. Go ahead and describe it because it's really funny. Stamkos' son, they're watching him play hockey, essentially. Yeah, he's three or four. You know, you saw him, you know, I want to ride Zamboni peas, you know, right. at the All-Star right. game. So right. he's three or four, and he's out there skating. And Hedman's got his six-month-old baby Six month, yeah. in the, the strap on his chest. And right. Stamkos says, you don't have him on the ice yet? <laughs> he's six months old. And Hedman says, well, he's six months old. So Stamkos goes, I guess you better plan for college then, or save for college. They can play hockey, huh? Yeah. And then right about then, his son, you know, hip checks some grown man into the boards. <laughs> He's like, way to go. Um, it, it, it's so funny. They're, they're so great together. It's just like, it's not even acting. It's just, uh, it's just the interaction between the two of them. But check it out. It's really well done. Yeah, it was really all over well the broadcast done. tonight, and it's well done. You can find it on Twitter. I think Mass Mutual tweeted it. That's the yeah. sponsor, and it's well done. Yeah, it's terrific, and good for Stamkos. I mean, he's now – I think he uh, – this becomes – this is his 14th season, I want to say. I think, he's, I think he passes – who was here longer? Vinny LeCavier? Yep. Maybe? Yeah, I believe uh, – maybe – I don't know. Either Marty or Vinny, one of the two. I think it was Vinny, but like he had, he's now the longest uh, tenured Lightning player ever in terms of seasons now. Yep. Uh, and then of course last year, and you you wish him good health because last year he played every game and and had one of his best seasons of his career. Had the most points and had ever. the goal. You know, not mm-hmm. surprising. He had the goal <laughs> uh, in the opener too. So uh, can still can still sling it, man. Can still rip him in there, which was fun to watch. So tomorrow we uh, we're, we'll probably talk some college football. I'm sure we've also got mailbag uh, over the next couple of days, and we've got your mailbag questions. That's for sure. You can still submit those to us. We have a bunch already, but don't stop. Uh, you can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Send them to us there, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address rstroud at tampabay.com. I'll be at the Bucks as they begin their preparations for. The Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road again. It's been a while. Mike Tomlin, yeah, back on the road next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Got uh, Pittsburgh with not a good team, and then at Carolina just fired Matt Rule. Two very winnable games, and then home on a Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. That'll be a fun one. So uh, interesting couple of weeks. They have a chance to you know to pile up some wins now and and stack them a little bit, and maybe get to maybe get to five and two before they face Lamar Jackson, which would be. Uh, a pretty a pretty good start considering uh, that they lost their first two at home. So we'll have a chance to talk to Todd Bowles, update what the injury situation is, especially in the secondary, Julio Jones, all of that. Check it out on TampaVay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times for updates on everything. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.